0: Everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. The goal of this podcast is to cover a vast variety of topics regarding mental health, struggles, share people's stories, and hopefully remind you that you're not alone. I hope you enjoy. So I know you from THV 11 you and I frequent there and I'll be playing music and then I'll see you do your interview but I've never gotten the chance to be able to like chit chat with you and so I actually hit up Miss Theba you know we love us Miss Theba. (laughs) Yes love her I was with her yesterday. (laughs) Yeah yeah so I hit her up and I was like listen I have to have her on for my live stream what is her information so they got me hooked up with you and I'm so excited because like I said I've heard you speak on the news several times you frequent there so if anybody thinks man this he looks really familiar, that might be why. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so
1: who is Dina? So most importantly, I'm a servant. I'm a woman of faith. I'm a woman of God, believe in God, first and foremost, and he's ahead of my life. But more importantly, I'm a servant. I'm a mother of one daughter who's a junior in college. I'm a sister. I'm a relative. I'm always the favorite on as well. I'm a therapist, but physical therapy and long-term care, but I'm an author, speaker, transformational life coach, because that's very important. It's about transforming instead of just motivating and inspiring anyone. I'm an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence as well. And I'm a mentor. And last but not least, I'm a minister as well. What do you not do? I just keep adding, you know, as I always say,
0: what do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) I love that. I Mm -hmm. am blown away. So I actually read your bio. I was looking up up a little bit about you before we got on here. And I am blown away. Like, (laughs) there is so much to your resume that I was like, you know, like flipping pages. (laughs) No, but all jokes aside, you are an inspiration. I would love to just sit down with you sometime and dig deep into your past. So one thing I was curious about, you said you were an author, and I saw that you were one of the top authors on Amazon. What is your book called? Where can people find that? My
1: book is Get Move: Mapping Out Victory Each Day, and it's self-empowerment through self-discovery. And it's about self-empowerment. Mainly, I think about people that have gone through a lot of tragedies and traumas, and they don't really know who they are. They don't have a true self identity maybe they're dealing with imposter syndrome maybe they're dealing with the victim being a victim so this book is based on Ecclesiastes. to everything there's a season so it's 12 weeks 90 days that you devote and commit to self not your title not your role but truly to yourself who are you who are you outside of your being a mom who are you outside of being you know, a therapist or whatever your job description is. Who are you outside of being everything to everyone else? When you dig down deep, when you sit quietly, who are you? And this book helps you to explore that. And through exploring, you start to discover who you really are, who you truly are, who you were truly created to be, as well as deal with some of your secrets. Start to unveil some of those things because I believe that you cannot heal what you're unwilling to reveal. at the same time, You start to get some of that out, uh, and that's important. You don't have to always tell an audience or tell someone, but once you start taking, revealing secrets, letting things out, you start to uncover some things. So in discovering yourself, you become empowered, and that's really what this book does for you. And it's a one-on-one book. And it's a book that fits in your purse beside your seat over the visor. It's meant to travel with you. It's meant to go with you. It's meant that you can pick it up and put it down. So it's not about, oh, I failed at this. No, you pick it up when it's time. It's like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's what that book serves as.
0: I love it so much. So talking about that um, in your little write-up, in your bio, and you mentioned this when we first got on, you've got a lot of history, So a lot of things you have overcome yourself and you talk about, you've got to bring it out to heal it. So basically r- letting your secrets out in order to heal. Um, I know we didn't chat about this a little bit, but that's something that just one, I w- want to say, I am so proud of you. Like it's just amazing for me to see successful people that have dealt with so, so much trauma in their past. And it is so cool to see you have this amazing resume and be this successful woman and just do all of these things with all of these burdens in your past that you didn't let bring you down. So I am so proud of you for that. Well, thank you. And I'm an open book. So you go with however you want to go. I'm an open book.
1: I do believe that Transparency Transforms.
0: I love it. Well, I do want to ask, so you talk about, um, you've overcome all of these things, domestic abuse. Um, you go on and on about little things that not little things are big things. Actually, how, what helped you get through that? Did you go to counseling? Did you strictly rely on, I noticed you, um, bring up religion and spirituality a lot. What really helped you overcome all of those things?
1: To be honest with you, just because we, I don't know who's listening, so I always try to make sure I serve someone. So my background is I am a survivor of being an orphan and ward of the court. Our parents died when I, I was seven when my mom died, 12 when my father died. And so that, the, I'm the second of six. That kind of put us in the category where we were orphans, deemed orphans and wards of the court. So we moved around a lot. So I dealt with incest, molestation. I actually dealt with rape. And, you know, when you deal with a lot of those things as a child, you don't really have an identity or the identity that maybe you thought you had, you lose that. You lose the sense of self-worth. You lose your value. But most importantly, you just don't know who you are and you have a misconception of what love is. So you look for love in all the wrong places. And so I, too did that. I was that victim, you know, oh, woe is me and why me? And also, dealing with those things put me in the relationship where I end up dealing with domestic violence. It's really important to say, though, that even as a child dealing with all the things that I dealt with, I always said, God didn't make me the prettiest. He did make me the finest. But whatever God gave me and made me, man would never take it away. I don't know why I used to think that, but that kept me from staying in that domestic violence violent relationship. You know, it's okay to love people, but we got to always remember we have to love ourselves better. We have to love ourselves a little bit more. And, you know, having those secrets, you know, I used to say if I die, they're going to need two caskets, one for me and one for my secrets. But I can say that they no longer need that second casket because I began to tell someone else was hurting and I couldn't tell family because I had a broken family. I had a small family. And so you want to protect what you have. And that's what I was trying to do. And I had a close family member, close, close friend in college. who was dealing with it and found out that an uncle or grandfather had been funneling the girls and he had just given his life to God and here he was feeling betrayed let down and he was going through and before I knew it I said your your family's not the only one and I started to tell my story and what I realized is the more that I told my story to help someone else I began to heal and so over the time I start telling my story and a lot of times my telling my story even now has become given a little bit of my background and my bio and I tend to reach the people that are in the room, the people that have never said, you know, I was assaulted or I went through this. I feel like I suffer in silence long enough that no one else should have to. And if my telling my story helps people give voice to the voiceless, then I'm serving and I'm doing what I'm called to do.
0: I love that so much. So that is the exact reason I do these live streams and I do this podcast is to help people share their stories. And to let yes. people know that they're okay and that they're not by themselves. Girl, I feel like we could do like seven different live streams right now. Yes, we can. <laughs> so, I'm okay. Ironically enough, I'm, I'm super interested in mental health. I love just learning how other people heal, how I can help myself. And I actually watched a lot of videos today um, because I read your bio about um, things that happen in the family. So they talk about the things like molestation and rape. A lot of times the percentage is very high that it's in your family. It's someone that you trust. And I watched a lady that did an interview about it. And she said that she was three years old when it started with a family member. And she Mm -hmm. said she didn't know any different because it felt like attention and it felt Mm -hmm. like love. And it took Mm -hmm. her being silent until she was well into her twenties and thirties to realize that's not what love feels like. And so it's, it's crazy to me how opening up really can heal and help other people realize, oh, I'm not the only one, and it is okay to share, and it is okay for me to heal myself.
1: And, you know, it does. Everyone deals with it differently. Sometimes when I see the breaking news stories, and they say, well, what took them 30 years to tell? Why now? You know, it's just something that triggers in you. And when you're ready to heal and, I think, deal with things I say you start to regurgitate on them. In other words, they keep coming up and you keep trying to silence them and swallow that back down because you're not ready yet to deal with them. But surely when you start to regurgitate those things, you're really in a process in a state where you're ready to heal. And for me, telling him was just the first step. And I ended up going was in a relationship and had someone that he was I thought he's a good man. Well, what I realized is he was just better than I had. And he wasn't necessarily who should have been my husband, but I accepted the proposal when I was going to get married and the proposal broke off and I, it just kind of dissolved. And I think it was timing. And in that moment, I realized that I was, as I was walking back in the house, I looked up at the stars and I said, I never want to be on a Garney or a stretcher just seeing the stars and something clicked in me. And I realized I didn't know me. I didn't know my favorite color. I didn't know what I liked. I had become who he needed, who he wanted, and I had been that to everybody else. In other words, I was given what I didn't have to give, and I was given from an empty place. And I had a sense of guilt also that because I survived in a sense that I had to sacrifice myself. So in the effort of not becoming self selfish, I became selfless. And so I had to learn to become self full And so in that process and the healing process, so you have to undo and peel back the layers of why didn't I say something or I wish I had said something. But to right then and there, silence was that thing. And what was interesting is that it didn't happen in one home. And, you know, yes, there's stranger danger that you're taught. And I was taught that in school. Nay, nay, stay away from strangers. But what is it when they're the people that say they love you? What is it when are there are people that sit at the table across from you? What is it when it's the people that look you in your eye and pretend that they care and they want you to have your best interest at heart? How do you tell? And who's going to listen? And in my mindset, not having an identity, who's going to believe me? And they're going to blame me. And they're going to, say that i was at fault i did something i wore something and that's who i was as that child but as i as when my engagement broke off and i was walking in the house i was like i don't know anything about me and they keep telling me that i'm going to be the product of my my society that's not true and i just at that moment decided god you put me by myself so that i could get to know you and get to know myself and at that moment i started to get to know me and i started to heal and i started to truly deal with what had happened to me did I run out and tell? I didn't, you know. but I started to slowly be able to tell. And what I've learned that as a victim, I wanna call your name. As a victim, I wanna hurt you. But when you shift in your mindset, from, victor, from victim to victor, it's no longer about hurting that person. It's about your healing. It's about forgiveness. It's about moving forward. And so I don't have to tell you who did what to me. I no longer have to call their name. And in that forgiveness journey, you have to start praying for those people and calling them by name. It's a conscious choice, it's a conscious decision, and it's a conscious action. And it took men, it took a lot of years to get here. And I still heal and I still go through things. So it's not like, hey, yesterday I woke up and all things are well. No, I continue to go through that. I have family family members and friends. I've had someone as young as, to tell me that it started when I was three. I've had someone as old as 83. I work in long-term care. I have people in the nursing home to tell me that they've been assaulted. So it's just an ongoing journey. And so it's an ongoing healing process for me as well, because it's not that it was all right, but I no longer own that I could have been at fault. I no longer own what someone did to me. I was, in that sense, I was vulnerable in that that state. I was helpless and I didn't have a voice, but I have a voice now and I choose to use it. And I understand that I have choices. I love that, so much, girl
0: preach, that will preach. (laughs) Um, I love that so much. Like I said, I want to make that, I'm going to have to have you come back on because I feel like this is a topic that gets brought up all the time. It is so common and something that we just hush, hush. We, we slip right. it on the table, mm-hmm. but I wanted to bring that up because I read your bio. Like I said, I was blown away that you have all of these things that you have overcome. So I wanted people to hear a little bit about you and mm-hmm. see how strong you are. And from all of that, your physical therapist, your life coach, all of these things, what made you want to become a life coach? What made you want to help other people live their best life?
1: Well, to be honest, I wanted to be a social worker early on before physical therapy. And I was like, I want to be a social worker. I felt like a social worker helped people work through their problems. And I had had enough. I thought, if nothing else, I know how to help you with your problems. And Divine Intervention, who was a social worker at the time, I looked up to her. She was my Oprah and still is in a sense. And she said, why don't you consider physical therapy? And I said, that was Divine Intervention. I do love geriatrics. I love physical therapy. I later became a licensed minister and I was like you know what I can advise you I can give you a spiritual guide and counseling and I can tell you things from the book of Dina you know that he's still a miracle worker he's still healing he still does all these things but it depends on where you are in your walk your spiritual walk it depends on where you are in that relationship it depends on what you believe if you believe but it doesn't mean that I can't help you so becoming a certified transformational life coach was important to me because I always say a friend loves you right where you are, but a coach loves you right where you are, but we love you enough not to leave you where you are. And so I help you do the work. I'm, we're going to pull back the layers. We're going to see what are those triggers, what's causing you to do what you do. And a lot of times I tell the adults, the adult shows up, but it's the child that's not healed. So let's do the work. And I believe in doing practical exercises, not just talking, but when you go, let's do some mirror work. Let's do some, um, I actually put rocks on people that are like river rocks. And I talk about the things that we walk around that we carry. And, And that a lot of times, if you're holding on to your burdens, you're holding on to all your trials and your tribulation, you'll never get to your triumph. So it's about releasing some things. It's about how to forgive because forgiving people it's not just hey I forgive you there's a process and after you forgive other people you have to forgive yourself and so becoming a life coach was very important to me because I can't I can give you real life experiences that I've had and it can be spiritually founded and you not feel like well she there she is preaching to me again because some people don't want to be preached to they want to be talked to and some people want to feel like that I believe in God. And sometimes people are like, um, if God allowed me to go through this. So it's, it's about being able to reach people where they are in different ways. And to me, that's what being a coach is. You know, I say all the time, you have to be coachable, but the coach also has to be coachable while coaching.
0: Well, that is awesome. That's more than I knew. I... Um, <laughs> life coach, you know, would be like, okay, well, these are the financial goals you want to get to. These are the mm-hmm. steps you need to take it. So it's so cool to hear kind of the backstory. And it sounds like you were overqualified. So <laughs> the physical therapy, the ministry, they can go in with like ailments and come out healed girl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <I> <laughs> That's right. They're signing up really for one thing, but they're getting it all, it sounds like. That is too cool. Yes. Okay. And that is true. That is true. I try to look at you as a person, you know, the whole life. What's really happened?
1: Because if, let's just say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm overweight. Well, why are you overweight? And that's just, just an example. Well, you say, well, I just love food. Okay, why do you love food? Well, I love food because it makes me feel good. Why? Well, let's talk about one of your first memories. Well, I fell off the bike and I hurt myself. What happened? Well, I went in to see mom or grandmother, what did they do? They gave me a piece of cake and some ice cream. They set me at the table and told me it was going to be all right. So what did you decide in that moment? You decided that when you were hurt, food and, and um, ice cream and dessert makes you feel better. And right now, you don't have to deal with it. They, you know, you don't think about that. I, I just have to get through this. This is going to, I'm going to get past this. And this is just life. We fall down, but we get back
0: up. So it's just about looking at why you do what you do. Well, you just explained my sweet tooth real easily. I'll like, (laughs) oh, I have one too. (laughs) My mom was watching. It's your fault, mom. You gave me two when I fell and hurt myself. (laughs) Kidding. <laughs> we're kidding mom we're kidding kind of we're kind of kidding but we're okay. giving an example so yeah no absolutely I I totally believe in all of that we're shaped as children and we become these just really big kids basically yes they're do. expected to know what we're doing and we don't really okay. okay let's get started so we have been on a roll of rough years I think mm-hmm. 2020 and 21 They can speak for themselves. We all, like you said, went through it together. So we wanna make 2022 the best we can. So what are a few things that people can do to make this their best year yet? What are some tips you got? I think to make this your best year yet, and this is interesting
1: because I talked about this this morning, reflect. What has the last two years been like? You know, what happened? What didn't happen? What And what role did you play? Have you been existing? Have you been living? Have you been waiting for the pandemic to pass? You know, it's like they say you learn to dance in the rain. And that's where we are. We are having to learn to dance a new dance. We're having to learn to do things different. We have a new normal. So whatever has gone on the past two years, it's already happened. We can't do anything about it, but we can do something about the future. I like to say that sometimes in life, people wrote our stories. We're in a place, 2022, where you get to pick up the pen and change the narrative. What will you write? What, What outcome will you desire? Start with the end in mind. So decide what is it that you want out of 2022, no matter what it is. Then decide what you want and how will you get there. So I like to give people um, the example of draw the circle, put in there what you want. Now, draw two legs. How do you get there? You've got to be able to write it down. You need to be able to see it. And you have to be intentional.
0: Yeah. I think you know, yeah, absolutely. And I think a good thing that you made um, aware was we got a new norm, and we did. This is our new norm, and we move from here. And I think for me personally, that's something that really slapped me in the face. Reality was, okay, as a musician, I had my book booked out for a year. And then I would got a call, this week's canceled. And I'd be like, okay. And then I got a call, the next week's canceled. And then it started going months at a time. I'd be drop, drop, drop. And so I watch my schedule just completely clear and your mind thinks, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it this year? And it's just sudden panic and stress, but you have to stop and reflect. Like you said, things work out. They always do, but I had to learn this new norm and I kind of had to transition myself and not just let it all like, take me down because it easily could have. But yeah, learning that new norm, which was different for everyone, but we all had to transition a little bit, right?
1: We, I think we all have. We've all become familiar with Zoom and virtual platforms. And the thing about it is you could still do what you do. You just have to do it differently. And that's what we can apply in all aspects, all walks of life, is that you don't have to stop. You don't have to quit. You just have to reinvent yourself and you have to innovate how you do things and know that Is what you're doing worth doing? And if it is, figure it out. And so I started saying, I'm just going to say yes and figure it out in the meantime. So if I made a mistake, guess what? I could start over. And that's what we have to do. We have to walk boldly. We have to walk. Fear is never leaving, but we got to have that faith and we have to have enough faith in ourselves to believe that we can still do it despite fear. And so it's just saying, hey, if this doesn't work, guess what? We fall down, we get back up, we start over. And that's what we've had to do. And who knows what 2022 will bring. 2022, I think right now, has already brought a few things. and We have a lot of numbers going up, even with the pandemic. But here's the thing. Life is going to happen. We have to happen back to life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've already brought in COVID numbers and snow flurries within the first three days. So, yes. So that should tell us all something. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Expect the best, but prepare for the worst. That's all we can do. That's right. Okay, So one time I was on THV and I was sitting back. I don't even know if you noticed me. I was off in the corner. I I did music, but I was so I just loved hearing you talk. I just think you're so relatable and just so, so pleasant to everybody around you. And I felt like you're so soft spoken. So, for like when I think life coach or minister, I think somebody very loud and like takes over the room, but you're just so quiet and soft spoken. And you're spoken when spoken to and just so polite. Um, So, but there was something. At THV, you talked about the three P's and that was something that I wrote down for myself to remember later. But do you mind going over that with us? You, no. And just to say I am
1: quiet. I have the gift of gab. But there is a moment. But you have to understand who needs me and how they need me. And so every situation requires you to be different. I like to say I'm the color blue. I come in so many different rays, but however I can meet, whatever need you need me to meet. But as far as the three Ps, I talk a lot about purpose, and a lot of us are so big on this word purpose, and we're trying to figure out who we are, why we were creative, what is it for us to do? And so I always say that it's the three Ps, your pain, your passion, and your purpose. Figure If you're trying to figure out where am I going, what's my direction, what should I be doing, figure out your pain. What's your pain point in life? What's that thing that either broke you or almost broke you? Or when do you remember someone failing you or maybe you failed yourself? And when you find that pain point, if you go back to that pain point, and and you're willing to really deal with it, then it's going to actually tell you a lot because that pain point is going to actually fuel your passion. And you'll have a passion to be the answer to someone else's prayer. You'll You'll have a passion to make sure maybe someone doesn't go through what you went through or if they have to go through it, that they go through it different. So your pain will fuel your passion and your passion actually is going to fuel your purpose. It's going to create that platform for you. It's going to be able to allow you to share your experiences. So what happens is there's a shift that takes place in those three Ps and you shift from being the victim and you shift to being the victor and what happens is you realize life didn't just life may have happened to me but it didn't just happen to me life happened for me and because life happened for me now I can go out and speak to the people that are going through this now I can go out and advocate for this now I can do this so it's about taking what happened to you and using that to for your good and making sure that maybe the person that offended you doesn't win it's going from being powerless to being powerful it's about empowering yourself to live life on purpose and with intention and knowing that you're going to make a difference
0: yeah I love that. Okay. I'm going to have to rewatch this live stream a hundred times because there's so many quotes. I'm like, oh, that's good. I need to write that down. Well, I need to frame that. I need to write that on my mirrored read every morning. I love it. You're so full of so much insight and I love that. And so what stuck out for me with those three Ps, I really just feel like that reflects not only myself, but hearing your story, you as well and so that's what started this was it started from a point of really horrific pain like the worst okay. place i've ever been in and it took me a lot of time to face that pain and mm-hmm. to realize like you said self-reflect i mean you hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. i just kind of had to sit in my pain and you yeah. have to feel it you have to go through it you can't go around it and so realizing right. that i had to feel it and i had to face it and when so- when i came to terms with that like you said going from the victim to the victor it turned into this purpose and yes. this live stream and getting back into music. And then the, you know, the passion came and it like lit up my purpose. And so it's all just going and striving. And it's all because of that, those three P's. So I think that's really cool. Yes. I, you
1: know, what happens also is once you find your purpose and your your purpose is not work, Your purpose is just what you do. It's something you do authentically. It's something you do that's genuine. And it serves a big, you know, when you think about purpose, a lot of us are like, what's my purpose? Your purpose may serve you. But for the most part, your purpose is going to be a bigger picture. It's going to serve a broader good. Your purpose is really not, it's not about you. Someone else's purpose maybe will serve you. But what I know is that when you're serving others selfishly, you self selflessly then you actually serve yourself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you feel better you feel good and you're like did I do that and and you you know and you start to relieve some things you know the imposter syndrome when you feel like you're not good enough oh they're gonna figure me out how can I know that how did I know that and you realize that you are good enough that you are more than enough you stop feeling having sense of lack and wor- worthlessness you start to realize that you're a valuable person that you're important and that you can make a difference to a lot of people
0: yeah absolutely there's nothing better and i bet you're the same way than doing all of this, this work because people don't see how much work goes into the things i know you do i can only right. imagine mine as well but the best thing is when the other day i got a letter in the mail and it was this homemade little keychain and a letter from just somebody that's watched these live streams, just talking about how much it had changed their mm-hmm. life for the better. I got a message just today talking about how their life changed because of one of these live streams. And so it is, like I said, it feels selfishly. I'm like, "Oh, that feels good. Yes,. yes. Helping other people will help you in so many ways. Yes. And you know, one of the things that I've learned, and I'm sure you can
1: agree, is a lot of times when we start out doing things, we think, oh my God, my village. I'm going to help so many people in my village. I'm going to help so many people around me. I'm going to help the people in my circle. And we're just going to rally. We're going to finish this together. We're going to do well together. But what happens is you reach people beyond your village. You reach people that maybe having been reachable. You reach people that you did people are watching that you don't know they're watching. And and it's I always call them like God winks or that they will send me a text or send a message or like you said, send you something in the mail that says, hey, thank you for being you. Thank you for doing what you do. Because we do make a difference. And if you can save one person, if you can help one person, then you're successful. It's not about filling a room always it's not about the numbers it's about did you make a difference did you reach one did you save one and I, I remember being at a high school in England and I went there to speak a black history program or something and I remember saying who feels like you shouldn't be here and there's this one student in the far corner at the top of the gym that says I just don't think I belong here And I stopped everything we were doing and with permission. And I said, I can't allow this person to feel like they don't belong here because they do and brought this person down. And we talked about empowering and it just changed his life. And I got messages from the parents and from him. And I connected with him as well through the administrators. I made sure they reached the parent, but it's about that person that feels invisible. It's about that person that doesn't feel loved, you know, are we as good as we are doing what we do if we don't see people, if we miss people, if we're not helping people? I think that ministry in itself is meeting a need. If there's a need, anything you do, that's ministry. However, your ministry should always be relevant. If you're doing something that affects no one around you or anyone else that that can see you on a platform or hear you, then it's irrelevant. Maybe you're serving self rather than serving others. And we need to reevaluate that.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I love that. I also love that you refer to them as God wings. What a cool way to think of that. Yes. Like just a little just a little I see you. You're doing good.
1: I see you and you're in the right you're on the right path. And you know, a lot of people want these big signs or thunder or lightning. It's just someone saying, Hey, I heard you today. Hey, I saw you. And those are just he's saying, Hey, you're doing what I called you to do. You're in the you're on the right path. And I'm pleased. And that's what we want. We want to make sure that we're doing what we're called to do
0: absolutely i love that so much okay so i asked uh followers if they had any questions for you and they sent me a handful so that's cool all right so one of them was what is self-care one what does it look like for you so we'll start there what does self-care look like for me what does self-care look like for dina what
1: does self-care look like for me? Well, self-care is personal love, first of all. It's personal. Your self-care is not going to be the same as a sister, a brother, or a family member. Self-care is not necessarily going to get your nails, your hair done, or massage, but it could be. Self-care is what you need. Self-care for me is sitting in silence. Self-care for me is being around family. I love to laugh. I love family. Self-care for me is helping someone else. Self-care is making sure that I'm good, but also acknowledging when I'm not good and saying, "Ah, I'm not okay. But knowing that it's okay to not be okay, I just can't stay that way. You know, um, it's funny because I love my father, God, when I was 12, I love Dance with My Father by Luther and and there are days that I might be feeling just in that moment where I need to cry. I will play that music. I will get my Kleenex and I have that good cry. I allow myself to feel what I'm feeling. So for me, self-care is what do you need? It's a constant assessment of what you need, where you are, what you need from self, but what, and what do you need from other people. And being okay with that. Self-care for me is pulling up in the driveway or maybe before I turn in my driveway and just sitting in the car in silence. And I just decompress. I disconnect. Self-care for me is I can drive for hours with no music. It's what do you need and what, because what, what are you listening to? You know, your mindset matters. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you allowed to speak into your life? And being able to just always know that you have a voice and that you use it and saying, I'm not okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like to ask people, do you know what you require? And in that, when you know what you require, you'll do the self-care that's good for you. Self-care is just taking time to feel your cup. What do you need in your cup? And knowing that your cup is not empty and not being okay with your cup being empty. I always say you can't give from an empty place. So if you want to give love, you'll have to be able to receive love. If you want to help, you have to be able to receive help. Uh, That's a growing spot for me because I love to help. And a lot of people who are strong and the people that are support systems, they don't ask for help well and they don't receive help well. So that's a growing, and I'm sure you're shaking your head. You're like, oh yes, I understand that. So I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes. So even learning in that self-care that we all have to be able to allow people to pour in us. We have to be able to allow ourselves to be able to refill our cup. So what do you need? Because what you needed a year ago or a pre-pandemic, you may not need those things now. You need something different. Now, if the only time that you can have some quiet time is getting your nails done, go. Getting your hair done. But don't always adorn the outside of you. Do some work on the inside of you. Do some heart work. Do some mind work. Do some self-work. And then look at all the other areas in your life. But start with self, because self, you don't start with self. You can't be to others what you can't be to yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Going back to that song, Dancing With Your Father, um, you could have a very loving dad that is still around and you're still going to ball your eyes out to that song. I, I do believe but, that. Let's just be honest right there. There's I this, do. I can't. It's kind of like the Christmas shoe song. Anytime mm-hmm. it comes on, I'm just like, <laughs> I know. You like to see ugly cry, but it's okay. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like as as easy as that sounds, I actually had somebody, the next question I was going to ask was how can we practice self-care, which you answered that, Um, learning yourself and learning how to care for yourself takes a lot of work, which you wouldn't think.
1: Yes. and, And maybe the person that sent that question, I will, in my book, there's the four questions that I ask. And one of them is, if you were a flower, what flower would you be and why? And this is your personality. This is your character. This is not your favorite flower. This is dealing with you. Do you really know you? If you were a color, what color would you be and why? If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? If you were a piece of fruit, what piece of fruit would you be and why? What I've come to learn is that I can ask adults those four questions and they're like, oh, but I'm this and I'm that. But because life has put so much gray in our lives that we don't know if we can be okay with just knowing who we are as a person aside from our roles and our responsibilities. But once you start to get to know yourself, you will start to do things that will help self and you start, just do one thing, say for the next 30 days, I'll just sit quietly. I want to hear my own voice. I want to feel my own heartbeat. I want to do something that's going to serve me. Whatever you do, set up some goals and they should have a date because you have to constantly assess everything and there should be some way to measure them. Is it going to be something you do once a month? Is it going to be something that you do by, you know, twice a year but do something that's going to pour into self that's going to make you feel good about self and this has nothing to do with anyone else and that was a learning that was a growth curve for me and i have to say that you have to become comfortable being
0: uncomfortable because
1: that's where change and growth happens
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's kind of hard. I feel like sitting with yourself is really hard, especially with social media. You know, you talked about mindset earlier. You're constantly being fed all these things from Instagram and Facebook and the perfect life and the perfect wife and Mm -hmm. family and all these things because nobody's posting their terrible days, you know? Right. I keep being able to step away from that for a minute and just find yourself, your voice and putting your mindset and everything. That's it's hard. It's hard. It it is hard.
1: And, you know, even though I say this, you know, I've had time, I've had years and, and like you said, I'm over come so many things that I always think of my animal is eagle and when I did some study on the eagle there's there are various characteristics but one of them is the eagle will rise above any adversity and so that's how I choose to look at myself that this happened okay I can just rise above that you know it may knock the wind out of me and may take me down but even in the valley I've understood that there's victory in the valley in your darkest moments. And there's protection in the valley. So learning to have an attitude of gratitude, that's a great place to start be thankful for the small things don't look for what you're what you don't have and what's not right what are the five things that you're thankful for and they can be the simple things and if it's just life if it's just breathing if it's just that you know who you are you know there are people with mental disorders there are people with health disorders that can't don't know who they are anymore they have memory issues they have health issues so what you have a lot to be grateful for now it's not about always the quantity. But what about quality? Start there. So an attitude of gratitude definitely will affect your altitude.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's something about at nighttime I have found pretty much every night. It doesn't matter how busy my day was. Actually, the busier the day, I found myself doing it more. But every night when I finally clean up and I'm fresh and I put Mm -hmm. on pajamas and I lay in my bed, there's a moment of thank you, Lord, for a bed. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's the smallest thing. And I don't know why, but there's something about that moment of just letting go of everything from the day and realizing, holy cow, how blessed was I to have all this day to have four walls around me to be warm on these 15 degree. uh, Yes. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. Paying attention to those tiny things. There's something about I don't even try, but there's just something about you lay down and relax and I think, oh, thank you.
1: Yes. And and you realize that you what you have is really what someone else is praying for. You know, no matter what you have, someone else is praying for. And uh, there's a quote that I love. And it says, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. That just puts it in perspective
0: again, another quote I'm going to have to write down and put on here. I'm going to run out of paper by the end of this. Okay, here's another one. Here's another question I got. How do you keep anxiety and depression from running you and ruining things for you? I think first and foremost, you know,
1: sometimes you know what triggers you. Sometimes you know that every time I go here, I get anxious. Every time this person comes around, I start to deal with anxiety or becoming depressed what can you control the things you can control control the things you cannot you figure out a strategy how to go into those things and and you do them sparingly you know you start to now it's funny that i'm on this platform it's funny that i speak in front of people and i'm on tv i tell people all the time i was like you know i'm really shy i just have the gift of gab and uh real quick i was i remember the pastor asked me to become the church clerk. Well, that meant called a discipleship. I would have to come up and talk to people, right? And I found myself sitting there saying, Please don't go up, please don't go up. And I was like, Now, God, you're not pleased because this is why I'm here. So, what I did is I noticed, Okay, well, let me get a scripture that calms me. And so, whenever I'm in a, any type of situation or circumstance that maybe I'm a little anxious about, I say the 23rd Psalm. So, you find the strategy, you implement strategies to offset those things. And then, what you realize is that, Oh, that didn't bother me as much. So, at the end, you don't go full throttle you then work that same thing maybe in another part of your life and truly if there's something that needs to be worked through with a doctor with a counselor do that it's okay you know we've been told that you you know that's a sign of weakness you're vulnerable vulnerability is really strength It's you saying that here i am flaws and all and i'm willing to just show them in order to be a better person and so Do what you need to do, but in the places where you can change some things, you start to change those things. When you're uncomfortable, start using your voice. You know, I I thought I was going to be okay here. I I, I drove so I can leave, so I'm not warning anyone else's night. You know, so do the things the way you need to do them, and I think that's what's really important. So often we will want to be a good friend or a good family member and we don't tell them how we're really feeling what we're struggling with a lot of people are struggling with anxiety with COVID and when people are like we want to meet out here and you don't I'm a survivor of COVID and what I realized is there's like this PTSD that I start to just going into crowds or I wear face shield and mask all day at work, sometimes eight, 10, 12 hours. Well, when I go into the store, I have just a mask on. I'm like, okay. And I had to realize that it's okay. You know, I'm doing what I need to do, social distancing and making sure that I keep a mask on and keep a mask with me. And so you just start to do things again. What do you require? What do you need? And then be okay with doing those things and realizing you don't have to, no one has to validate how you feel. Nobody gets to validate what it is that you need. When you can truly deal with self, truly get in alignment with who you are and be okay with who you are, you start to say, hmm, I can't do that. I can do that. I will do this or I won't do that. And you, you're okay with it without feeling guilt, without feeling shame. And that's where some of the anxiety starts to just go away because it was really about what you thought someone else was expecting of you and you, you weren't ready to be there. So what do you expect from yourself? And a lot of times knowing that we're let down our own expectations, not other people's expectations.
0: Absolutely. I relate to that a 1000%. So I noticed when I was going through all of these things that I had some lingering anxiety that were things that I hadn't dealt with. And so I had to learn what triggered those things. So that, that required me to feel everything and figure things out. But that also required me to be a little more verbal, which I'm not, I'm also (laughs) surprisingly very shy so with family I have to tell them hey this is very different than I was the first 20 however many years of my life but things have changed I've changed this is what I can do this is what I can't do and I would appreciate respect with that you know be very open because people can't find and like you said finding those triggers reaching out for help is a huge help for sure so yeah just really getting to yourself I think that's great all right here's another one. What happens when someone gets off track through the year? How can you get back on track?
1: We all get off track. Realize first and foremost, you're not the first, you're not the last, and you're not the only one. The thing about it is, is identifying that you're off track. That is the biggest step you can make, because that means you're acknowledging it and that you're accepting it. So now you need to adapt and adjust. So you can get off track every other week but here's the thing start to say you know what i'm gonna set a goal for 30 days to stay on track with this i'm gonna make sure that i'm gonna set you know and then maybe find an accountability partner you know if you're not good at holding yourself accountable then you might need someone else that that maybe you don't know you just maybe a coworker or someone that that they want to do something totally different but you're like hey i'll check in on you you check in on me we're going to go through things, life, life happens, things happen, and we're going to go through a lot of changes, and I think the thing about it is, is we must be flexible, we must be willing to change, and we must prepare to change, we, if you're rigid, that's where the stress comes in, that's where you get, you, you get so down on yourself, because you're like, I planned this, and I always love the, the statement of, if you ever want to see God laugh, tell him your plan. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, because he changes things. You know, it's like, well, no, that's not my path for you. So know that you're going to go through some things. But if you get off track, start over. Yeah. Don't quit. Don't stop. Start over. And maybe you're going to have to start over 10 times. Oh, well, start over. It's not about the falling down. It's, it's about the getting up. And what you realize is that you get up faster, you get up stronger, and you get up with less judgment for yourself. Extend some grace to yourself. You know, be more forgiving of yourself. You know, so often we hear about forgiveness. One of the things I said, you forgive others, but you also have to forgive yourself. But don't be so hard on yourself. You know, extend, show yourself some mercy. Show yourself some grace. And, you know, like, I'm so proud of you. That you're even trying Yes, girl, you, you messed that one up. But listen, you're trying Or hey, bro, I'm so mad. Boy, you're doing better. You know, you've been trying this for 10 years, but you are better. You're not bitter. You're, you're just making your way. And what happens is you look back and you realize, hey, I've, I've gone, you know, three months this time. I'm shooting for six months the next time. So the Million Mile Journey starts with the first step. So just remember, I just have to take one step. And start over. And I have to just be committed not to quit and make sure that I'm, I stand in my truth. A lot of times we don't stand in our truth and, and be honest with ourselves. And we're so good at being sometimes dishonest with other people and making them see what we want them to see. It's not until we stand in our truth, live our truths and speak our truth that I, that we're going to be okay with us and we're going to make really good progress. So set goals. It can be about anything. You have five, six different areas in your life. Do a goal for one area, and then if you can accomplish that goal, add another one. But don't put 10 goals up there, and you're like, "This is first time I've ever tried this." You celebrate the small journeys. The destination is already set, Enjoy the journey. and celebrate the journey along
0: the way. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love somebody posted about every, to all my uh, fellow followers that said, we're going to eat better in the new year, but then they're like, oh, well, I'll wait till Monday. Right? (laughs) Oh no, wait. Well, I'll wait till the, i meant the next Monday. Yeah. Just throwing yourself. (laughs) I'm the same. Like I want to work out. I want to be in better shape. And then a week goes by and I'm like, oh, I didn't do it. I'm the worst. Well, it's too late. You know, you get stuck in those, like, Like I said, not extending grace to yourself, but everybody else. If someone else told me they failed, I'd be like, oh, it's not a big deal. Right. But then you're so hard on yourself and you just use the word
1: stuck. You know, I think about when someone is stuck. First of all, how do you become unstuck? You first have to admit and acknowledge that you're stuck. And then you have to ask yourself, well, how did I get here? How did I allow this to happen now? What is it that I want and how do I get there? So it's about just really being honest with yourself, being loving with yourself. And don't forget to laugh at yourself. You know, it is good to laugh at yourself. You did that? You messed that one up. But hey, try it again. And cheer yourself on. I have a clapping hand that I keep with me. And a lot of times I have it in place and I'll just say, you know what? You didn't clap for me. Don't worry. I'm my own cheerleader. I clap for myself. I'm my biggest cheerleader. And that is my mindset. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, I am my own biggest cheerleader. And so you don't have to be okay with me. I'm okay with me, you know. And do that self-talk, self-affirmation and just just talk to yourself, speak over yourself. I'm better than I was last year. I'm going to be so awesome next year. You know, the world can't, you, they won't believe what I'm doing in five years. You know, speak those things as though they
0: already are. Girl, I'm going to get one of those hands when I'm playing a show for a rat- group of people and they're not paying attention to nobody claps. <laughs> I'm just going gonna... to clap. Yes, clap for yourself. I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> right. I love Okay, all right, we got two more. So okay. this one said, this one was, this question was, what's your view on resolutions? Would you say yay or nay? And I took that as because so many people fail at their resolutions. So would you say setting resolutions is a good thing to do? Would you say, uh,
1: you know, I thought about yay or nay. So I made a resolution a few years ago, and I was that person, I get up, I had all these resolutions, and then I was like, oh, I messed that one up, mess that one up, but there were some that I kept, so it depends on how important it is to you, and I think you start with the end in mind, what is that resolution, what is it serving, you know, if you're just saying, oh, I want to lose five pounds, but no, it's a dream, or maybe a wish, does it have a date, Maybe you want to lose, lose. You have a maybe a formal or a wedding, and you want to lose ten pounds by a certain date. So make sure it's not a. The difference between a dream and a goal or even a resolution is that it has a date. So the intended outcome, you always have to start with the end in mind. But a few years ago, I got up and I decided I'm gonna be resolved to be resolved. In other words, I'm not, I don't have to set new resolutions. I just want to be better than I was last year. So I try to grow in every area. I might get up on new year's day and I I remember um, asking, I said, Lord, I just wanna be smarter financially. So that was my focus. How do I, so I looked into banking, I looked into investing, I looked into refinancing and that particular year believe it or not being being resolved to be resolved I, it set me on a path or a course I paid my house off 12 years early. Dang. So I will say you can do resolutions be resolved to be be intentional and have an outcome. So I I don't say no there's not a there's not a blanket answer and it's not it doesn't mean everybody won't have the same answer. Do what you need for you.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that I, I saw that question. I thought, Oh, that's a good one because yeah. I think it kind of goes with a lot of things you said. Don't put 20 on a page and then get yeah. discouraged when you don't do one mm-hmm. or two or when they're just too many on there. Um, and don't put dream you know, they got to have a date. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. So there was one more. Okay. okay. So this one I'm really curious about too. Okay. Okay. So this person said, I've heard both. Should we set large goals or should we set, set small realistic steps? So should we set large goals or small realistic steps?
1: I think intentionally, if you're new at setting goals and this is something maybe you don't do so well at, you start with small goals. And they should be SMART goals. And that means they should be specific, something you can measure, make sure they're attainable. And and then make sure you can reach them and have a timeline. So look up SMART goals and do that first and celebrate you know each time you reach a goal if you don't celebrate yourself you start to dismiss your accomplishment you start to dismiss your achievement you're like oh well it's yay or nay you know and so you have to also be creative in when you're trying to reach those goals if you have a goal to I did a financial challenge for 90 days so one of the things was that your splurge money was in cash. So when you set your budget, you had to use cash to pay for everything. Well, there's no emotions to swipe in a card. There's no emotion to swipe in and insert a debit card, key in a code. However, what I did to help people start jumpstart their savings is they had to do everything with cash that they could do locally. And let me just tell you, When you start to peel those bills away, it's kind of like you're giving away family members, you're separating yourself, and you start to become a little bit more emotionally attached to it. So you spend differently. So you have to be able to do things in the way that it's going to have some type of emotional or an attachment to you so that you feel something different, so that you can accomplish something different. So make sure that those goals are not just these it's just a blanket goal. Why do you, why do you need this to be a goal? What's the end? Start with the end in mind. Like I want to save this amount of money. Why? So that I can go on a trip or so I can become pay off a credit card. I want to lose this weight. Why? So that I can fit in this dress. Well, go find that dress, have that dress there, hang that dress up. Let your goals be visible. So you know what you're doing and remind yourself, you talked about mirrors. If you walk through my house, I write stuff on my mirrors my affirmations my goals and my vision board a lot of times is on a mirror because I want to constantly remind myself and see those things daily so you don't want them always tucked away in a notebook it's okay but sometimes you have to do things you have to do different to get different
0: yeah I love that yes yeah, speaking of that I actually had um this outfit pick- picked out to play gig for New Year's Eve and it was a blazer and I put it on and it was like the fat guy in a little coat and I'm like oh. <laughs> Oh, so I hung it back up and it's still hanging there and my goal is I'm gonna fit back in that because that was not a cheap blazer so yeah so great yeah so that that was definitely an eye-opening experience and one mm-hmm. that I'm like okay well, there's my goal hanging right there. And I felt how yeah. bad that felt to be like, oh, no, I can't put my arms down anymore. So, And when you get in it, you take that picture
1: and say, hey, I did this. Because you want to celebrate that. And it, a lot of times people think, oh, that's just a blazer. No, no, no. That is intention. That's making a decision. That's showing discipline. And that's being dedicated. So that speaks to who you are and what you want to accomplish.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's huge in celebrating yourself. Yes, And um, one thing that I have to do for sure for myself, and I think setting such strict goals is just, it's just not realistic. We're human, we mess up. And so, you know, I have a lot of friends that are no cheat days. And I just think you're setting yourself up for failure because you need to celebrate yourself, even if it's something tiny, it doesn't have to be big, but something just to let yourself feel celebrated, to feel like you did something I I totally agree. And you don't want to be rigid. You don't want to allow
1: yourself some wiggle room because here's the thing. If you tell me what I can't have, think about what I want. And that's the thing I'm going to get. So you said if you need this if you want this it's okay but in moderation and then just say to yourself if i do this cheat day i can only do it once every two weeks because you're you're changing your lifestyle you're changing the way you're doing things and change does not happen overnight and that's where we set ourselves up for failure you have to build the room in to
0: be able to adjust and adapt i love that awesome well miss dina holy cow it's been an hour
1: yeah like i've enjoyed it
0: (laughs) I I want to have you back on. I want to discuss your background, dive deeper into that, because that's the stuff that just really lights me up. And those stories that people just don't share that often, you know, Mm -hmm. I am so excited to start my 22, the year 22 off. It's going to be a good one. I've got good feelings. That fire in the background makes me just feel more lit up and warm. (laughs) Uh, Yes. But I'm... Thank you so much for joining me, for taking time out to chat with everybody about how to set goals and how to clear their mindset and the three Ps. I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to this several times. Like I said, I'm going to go back and take notes this time. Yes, well, it has certainly been my pleasure. Great start to 2022. And I
1: just wish and pray for you abundance. And I'm ready whenever and can't wait to see what's to come. Thank you
0: for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at Music for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone.